Great. Jesus should be first in all things that you do. I don't know if you got that at the end. Well, I'm going to be talking to you this morning about counting the cost. Now, being a Christian is amazing. just want to put it out there. If you're, if you're trying to decide whether to become a Christian or whether you're exploring faith here this morning, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're part of this service. If you're joining us online and you're kind of checking in, we're so glad you're there. And being a Christian is amazing. Just going to put it out there. <clears throat> but it can be costly. It can be hard. And it can be a bit of a challenge at times. And actually, Jesus talks about counting the cost. And that's what I, that's where I'm going this morning. I'm not trying to put you off, by the way. If you think I'm here to put you off. I'm not trying to put you off, but I'm trying to kind of give us all a bit of a, a kind of a reality check, I guess. And I think for me, I was probably about 13 or 14 <clears throat> when I first <clears throat> realized that being a Christian, following Jesus, was going to be costly. <clears throat> Sorry, I haven't got COVID, honestly. And I've had it <laughs> a while ago. Um, and I was in secondary school, and I, w- I was a Christian. I didn't have very many Christian friends, and even the Christian friends that I did have were not interested in going to the Christian Union at school. And I felt, as a Christian, that I really should commit to this and nail my colours to the mast and go to Christian Union. But nobody wanted to come with me. And... Uh, I, I remember just sort of feeling like, oh, it's a bit uncool to go. Even the name doesn't sound very, like, funky. Christian Union sounds, I don't know, boring. And sorry if anybody came up with that phrase. Um, and I, but I thought, I'm going to go anyway, because I've got to nail my to mass. I've got to show my friends, my peers, and, you know, revival might break out because I go to Christian Union. And uh, so I decided to go. And I got a bit of flack. I, I used to be called the Jesus Freak at school. Anybody else been called actually a Jesus Freak? Oh, yeah, a couple of us. Yeah, yeah, it's not nice, is it? But it kind of is, okay, and also. But, you know, when you're 13, I was a bit spotty, had quite frizzy hair. You're getting the picture, aren't you? <laughs> I wasn't maybe the best sort of poster girl image for Jesus. And, and it was a bit hard. It was a bit hard. I, you know, I got, I did get, had a, I had one of those big chunky braces as well. And it was not an easy ride at school. But I, I went, and for about a year and a half, it was just me and Mr. Cheeseman, my, my science teacher, who went to Christian Union. <laughs> he probably wished I didn't go, to be honest. He probably was thinking I could do something else at my lunch hour. But me and Mr. Cheeseman went, and we had a chat about Jesus, and we'd look at the Bible, and we put up posters, but still no one came, and revival didn't break out. So I tell that story, not to make you feel sorry for me, but I hope you do, um, but just to say that there are times in our lives when we have to just nail our colours to the mass, and actually it's going to be a little bit costly, and it was costly for me as a 13-year-old geeky girl with frizzy hair and a brace to stick my, my neck out above the, the parapet of, you know, where my peers were concerned, and actually say that I was a Christian and I wanted to follow Jesus. Secondary schools can be actually really, really hard places um, for lots of reasons, but to, to say you want to follow Jesus amongst your peers is really tough and revival didn't break out which was a little bit sad but never mind not yet and I'm not trying to make following Jesus kind of um, unattractive but Jesus himself said to us that it is going to it's going to come at a cost and there's going to be a cost involved. And maybe at church, we don't really talk about that very much. We talk about the blessings, the benefits, the mercy, the grace, the stuff that is so wonderful about following Jesus. But maybe we don't talk enough about the cost and the things that are going to be hard about following Jesus. And so that's where I'm going this morning. So buckle in. 
And my text is Luke 4, the words of Jesus as he is talking to the crowd. As they, they can come up on the screen, I'll read them for us. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king, won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able, with 10,000 men, to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Strong words from Jesus. I'm just going to say a prayer. Spirit of God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts and help us understand what it is you are saying to us as individuals and as a community this morning. Send your spirit and, um, yeah, speak to us and speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus here is talking to the crowd. It's a crowd of people who have been following him, who have been attracted to him by his teachings, his miracles. The way he was kind of um, doing everything was just, you know, quite attractive and unusual. For, and, you know, of course there's going to be a crowd. And Jesus turns to the crowd and says to them, actually, there's a cost involved. There's a cost involved. And these are my two illustrations to help you understand that. There's a guy, he's going to build a big tower, and the thing he needs to do first is evaluate the cost and work out how much it's going to be. Is he going to have enough resources? Is he going to have enough money? Is he going to have enough um, people power to actually build the tower? So that not only you can start building the tower, but you can finish the tower. And then the illustration of a king going to war. And if he sees there's like 20,000 people coming against his, his less um, amount of troops, he needs to kind of prepare for that, send a delegation, nip the war in the bud, and end it. So that actually both these things can come to a correct and a proper conclusion. And so what he's saying is that when we start out in our Christian faith, and when we think about our relationship with Jesus, it's really prudent and sober and correct to evaluate that we are going to be on this journey for a while and there's going to be times that come against us where it is really hard, where it's going to be costly, where we're going to have to make decisions that are not easy, where we have to decide, do we follow Christ in this area of our lives or do we kind of choose to do what is maybe easier or smoother or um, yeah, less costly? And for any of us that have been a Christian for you know, probably longer than a week, you will know what I'm talking about because we realize that following Jesus does not necessarily make life really easy or really smooth. It doesn't mean that obstacles and challenges and relationship breakdown and difficult work situations and stuff with our families and ill health and trying to share our faith and amongst all that as well as doing life it doesn't mean that is going to be super easy and we're going to glide through it if that is you then well done but most of us will totally know what I'm talking about and for the first believers who were who were amongst the crowd listening to Jesus teaching they would have they would have kind of been aware that actually following Jesus did come at a cost 
that it could have been a cost of being, being put outside the religious community that they were part of if they were Jewish believers and then following Jesus meant that they were like on the outside. It could mean that they were kind of different from the rest of their family and, and that was a cost. Or if you're, you know, following Jesus when you were part of the Roman Empire was not a comfortable place to be. The Romans could not understand how Christians would not swear their allegiance to the emperor or to the leaders. And so they hated that. It was subversive and it was just going to just cause trouble. And so they would make Christians um, examples of what not to do. And the way they chose to do that was by killing them, not just nailing them to a cross like they did with Jesus, but putting them in a ring and there'd be bulls and there'd be torture and there'd be terrible things happening. And in fact, I've got a favourite martyr. Has anyone got a famous um, early Christian martyr? Hands up. Yeah, Dave's got Dave, who's your favourite martyr? Polycarp, amazing, amazing Polycarp, amazing guy. Mine is Blandina. She was a slave girl um, in uh, AD 170. She was, um, along with some other Christians, in the city of Lyon in France. The gospel had gone to France at this point. She was arrested, and with the rest of her, her, her sort of little cohort, the Romans wanted to make them an example of what not to do. And so on August the 1st, I think it was the the emperor's birthday or some sort of celebration. I know what we'll do. We'll have a party and we'll, we'll roast some Christians. That saves getting the gladiators in and spending money. And, and they basically tortured them in front of a crowd. And Blandina would not die. And every time they came, ag came against her in some other terrible way to kill her, she said, I am a Christian. I am a Christian. And finally, when everybody else had died, she was only a young woman. Eventually, they put her in a net. They tossed her into the ring, and a bull gored her to death, what was left of her life, and she, she gave her last breath. And I tell that story not to sort of um, celebrate the gruesome history that has happened, but just to illustrate that, you know, people have really died for their faith, been tortured for their faith. And this is not just something that is part of history. You know, there's a chain of persecution that comes right up to the modern day. And Christians today, as I said before, are dying for their faith and being persecuted for their faith. And so when Jesus is talking about there's a cost, he's not just speaking hypothetically. He's saying that for some of you, for some of us, that the cost will be great and it will be deep. And for us as individuals, I think that means that we have to be prepared to sort of, um, yeah, pay that cost in some ways. We don't know what it's going to be like, but like the builder and like the guy going to war, you have to prepare for the fact that there will be a cost at some point. And also for us as a church community, as an 11 a.m. congregation, what is the cost to us of following Christ? Is there a cost and what could that look like? And I want to unpack both those little things. The first thing I want to talk about is us as individuals following Jesus. What, what does it mean to think that we have to pay a cost to following Jesus? And I think, I think what it means is, is the orientation and the way that we align our wills or choose to align our will with God's will. And you know, we all have a will that helps us, informs how we make decisions and choices and the things we do and don't do, whether we will, you know, steal a pencil from work or not steal a pencil from work. I'm sure nobody would steal pencils from work. But, you know, we, we make these choices um, based on how we live and what, what are the important factors in our lives that govern the choices that we make that comes from our wills. But also there's God's will for us. 
And ideally, as a Jesus follower, we want to submit our will to God's will. We want to align our will with God's will and live our lives and make our choices and, and do the things that we, we do in life, the way we conduct our relationships, the things we watch on the internet, the way we um, trust God for our future, how we might behave in our jobs and our careers. We want to make sure that we are ultimately aligning our will with God's. But as I expect you have realised, it is not always easy to do that. It's not always easy to do that. And sometimes it's really hard to do that. I mean, sometimes we find ourselves in predicaments and situations where we're like, oh, well, I kind of really want to do this. But I sense God wants me to do that. And then we have a choice in those moments. Do we kind of just go with what we want to do? Or do we try and submit our will and bring it under the authority and the lordship of Christ? and do what he wants us to do. And for some of us, you know, we, we go in and out of that. I know I do, you know, sometimes I'm in, I'm kind of just doing things I want to do, and then I feel like, oh yeah, I kind of bring my will onto the alignment of God's will again, and then I kind of spin out of it. Driving, you know, driving, anyone, anyone see me? I'm so sorry if I've ever said anything bad to you. No, not, not kidding, not really. But do you know what? Put me behind a wheel, and I'm suddenly like this sort of Formula One racing driver, and I have to remember that even when I'm driving, I have to kind of be submitted to God's will and, and drive in a way that's honouring to Jesus with worship music on, shouting out, bless you, as I drive past, things like that. Um, you know, you, but you know what I mean, sometimes there are situations that bring out the worst in us, and put me behind a wheel can be one of those situations. But I think what I want to say is that they, those situations and examples can be where we really feel a cost. And to give a personal example from my own life, May the 1st was the day that was last Sunday. That, that for us is a difficult day for us because it's the anniversary of the death of um, one of our children. And Sam was killed in a hit and run. And so when we hit the anniversary, all the sort of stuff kind of really bubbles up in us and especially around forgiveness. Forgiveness is an ongoing choice for us as to whether we forgive the person that took Sam's life from us or whether we don't. And, you know, you could think that it would be quite within our rights not to forgive them because of what they did. And a lot of people would say that, oh, I can, that that's unforgivable. You could never forgive someone for doing that. I could never forgive someone for doing that. That is a phrase that, you know, we hear sometimes in people who have said to us. But as a follower of Jesus... I need to forgive her for what she did to Sam and for what she's done to us. Now, do I just do that because God tells me to do it and I have to be super obedient for God to love me? No, God loves me anyway. God loves you anyway. Whether you submit your will to Jesus or not, he loves you. There's nothing you can do that will make him love you any more than he already does. But what he wants us to do is to live in obedience and, and, and surrender to him. Because that's where the life is. That's where the fruit is. That's where the wind of the spirit comes into our lives. That's where we're living, not only in our own strength, but we're living in God's strength. Where we're not just doing life in the normal and then in the natural. We're doing life in a sort of supernatural way where we're trusting him and leaning on his spirit. And we're asking him to sort of empower us as we go through life. And so in these moments where the rubber hits the road, where do I forgive her for what she did to me? Those are the moments where it's really a bit of a game changer. Am I choosing to follow God's will in that moment? Or am I choosing to do what feels more easy, more natural, more normal in those moments? And I want to suggest to you 
that even though it's costly and even though it's hard and even though it feels like maybe I cannot actually do this in my own strength because that's maybe you can't. We can do those things. We can make those choices. We can align our will with God's will in those moments under the, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so forgiveness for us is a real example of that because I can feel like I've forgiven her one day and the next day it feels different again. So it's an ongoing journey where I want to keep bringing my will back into God's alignment of God's will and surrendered onto his will. And if you're here today and you've, you've, got, you've got a thing, it might not be as big as that, it might be a small thing, it might be a relationship that is really tricky or a work situation which is really hard, or a situation in your life where you just can't move on from it, you, can't, you cannot see how it can be any different, you feel like you're doing it in your own strength, not God's. I want to say to you, because I speak from a little, a little tiny bit of authority on this particular issue, to say, if you bring that onto the Lordship of Christ, and maybe your starting point is saying, God, I cannot do this, help me to want to do it. God, this is too hard for me, help me to be able to submit this to you. Come and send your spirit to help me. That is a great place to start. The second thing I want to talk about moving on from our own individual cost that we might have to pay and think about the community cost is that I think there is a cost to us as a community of believers in this place when it comes to following Jesus and being obedient disciples of Jesus. And I think that I want to suggest, I guess, that the cost is all around making space for people, making space for new people, making space for others. You know, God's kingdom is always growing. It's an expanding kingdom. God just hasn't got the right amount of people in his kingdom. We don't have to worry about it anymore. We're just like, we've got a nice little thing going on here. Um, that's, that's, it's not static. It's not solid. It's, it's growing. And it's, you know, every Alpha, we have more people coming to Alpha. Every, we have more people coming to church. Every Sunday, there are new, fresh people in this building who haven't set foot in it before. And so we, as a community, need to make space for those people. And that might be a bit costly for us because maybe we just want to come to church and just be in our own little zone and just be us and God and have that, those little moments and not have to sort of think about anybody else. But we're meant to be a community. We're meant to be a family. And so I think the cost to us is thinking, how can I make space for others on a Sunday or in the midweek? Or even maybe thinking about church planting. How can we as a community make space for other people? Because it will be costly. And I think on a Sunday, that could mean making sure that every Sunday you go and talk to someone that you don't know. Building a friendship, making a connection, looking for other people who you haven't seen before. And I'm just going to ask you to partake in a little... You need to move your arms, okay? Just, just warn, warning you. Um, put your hands up in the air if you have joined this service or this church either during the pandemic or since the pandemic, put your hand in the air. Nice and straight. Yeah, have a look around, guys. Have a look around. That's probably about... I'm terrible at maths. <laughs> 25%. Well, thank you, Dave. A third, possibly a third of the people in this room would consider themselves new or just looking or turning up. And that is an, an amazing stat. Thank you so much for coming. It's really encouraging. But for those of us that aren't new, our job is to welcome the new people. And by the way, if you've been coming for more than like three Sundays, you're part of the team now, okay? <laughs> so feel free to welcome somebody else and say, oh, are you new here? Um, normally I go up to someone and say, oh, are you new? And they go, no, I've been coming for like 25 years. I'm like, oh, that's so embarrassing. <clears throat> but you get my point, don't you? 
we need to build community and that might be costly for us because it's a bit hard maybe going to someone that you don't know but introducing yourself and saying hi do you know anyone here is a great opening line midweek maybe your midweek group needs to make space for other people maybe you're not even in a midweek group and you need to build you think actually probably I need to be in a midweek group and find a bit of connection maybe I need to start my own midweek group and you know now's the time for me to step up and do something else maybe I need to be in a prayer triplet maybe I just need to build some connection with some other people once every three weeks and, and pray with them because I need that connection I need somebody else to sort of spur me on and help me to keep growing but that would be costly because I like I do table tennis on a Monday I do aerobics on a Tuesday I do um, darts on a Wednesday this is just me personally I do um, you know you get my drift we all have the things that we do but actually it's important as I love darts it's important for us to reach out and connect with other people we need it and they need it and the third the third thing that's quite costly i think and it's been costly here actually as part of this congregation is that we love to plant other churches and we planted metro a few years ago and that's going like a rocket philip and kate are doing a brilliant job and we planted Southside predominantly at this congregation so there's about sort of 40 people here that would be here that aren't here anymore because they're in Southside. and there's a little part of me that's just like i miss those people they're great but actually, it's a big part of me. It's like, yeah, great. They're going to South Bristol. They're doing something beautiful and brilliant and amazing there. But we want to plant again. We don't want to keep static. We don't want to keep still. We want to keep moving. And so if you're here and you think, actually, I would like to be part of the next church plant. We don't know where it's going to be, by the way. But we trust that God is keeping us moving. And even though we're just coming out of a pandemic, even though life's a bit, we want to trust God that he is taking us somewhere and we want to keep planting. So if you're here in the congregation, you're thinking that I feel excited by that. I feel a bit of a stirring about going somewhere new and starting something new. Then come speak to me or Dave or Nigel or any of the leaders here because we trust that God is speaking through the congregation and leading us forward. Now I'm coming into land, speed up, Rachel. The last thing I just want to say is how do we prepare ourselves for the cost that we may have to pay how do we prepare ourselves how do we shore ourselves up so that we can pay the cost we can prepare ourselves for what might come and not kind of feel like we're totally lost when Jesus is asking us to give more and it feels too hard and just three little things firstly there's this brilliant verse in um, 2 Corinthians 3:18 that I'm just going to read I think it's so good. It says this, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And I, I read that verse because I think what we're meant to be doing is we're meant to be being transformed. We're meant to be disciples, which means we are learners, we are growing, we are moving forward. Christ is, is making us more like him. And, and that's what we need to invest in. If we want to be able to pay the cost, we need to know Jesus. We need Jesus to know us. We need to be submitted to him. We need to allow him to change us and to speak to us and to kind of shave off our rough edges and grow his fruit and put his spirit in us and give us his gifts. And I think if you're, if you're here and you're feeling a bit disappointed with God, you understand that. You know, I... I I understand that 
If you're here and you feel a bit bored by God, a bit bored by your faith, maybe even a bit bored by church, I kind of understand that as well. But it's not a good place to stay there for very long. And a relationship with Jesus, the king of the universe, creator of all, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the one who loves us and forgives us and puts his spirit in us and wants the best for us and has mercy over our lives. You know, a relationship with him is meant to be going somewhere. It's meant to be exciting. Secondly, connecting to the community. Connecting into the community, whatever that looks like, will help you when it comes to paying the cost because your community will gather around you and strengthen you and shore you up. And maybe today you need to take a step to connect into the community. Maybe it's filling out a newcomer's form, a connect form, so that you can get connected. Maybe it's coming to a newcomer's tea. You haven't ever done that. Maybe you've been on the fringes for a long time, and actually it's time to step in. Maybe you're just watching online. Hello, watching online. If you're watching online because you can't leave your house, you've got health issues or you're shielding, then that's great. But if you're watching online because you can't be bothered to come, can I say, please come? I personally will give you a hug. But you might not want that, and that's totally fine. But there's something about being in the building, being in the community, being amongst us, being in the worship, eyeballing other people, letting other people eyeball you, receiving from the Holy Spirit, which will build resilience and growth when the cost comes. And lastly, be open to the Holy Spirit. Trust him to fill you and to enable you to be the person that he wants you to do, wants you to be, and the things he wants to do. The Bible says he's prepared good works for us in advance. And that those things may come at a bit of a cost and they may come at a bit of a price, but the Holy Spirit can give us what we don't have in ourselves. So as we end, well, I'm going to ask you to, to stand up and I'm going to pray for us. We cannot do life in our own resources. We can do it a bit, but it's not very satisfactory. <laughs> and it doesn't really go very many places. And life with Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit is meant to be exciting. It's meant to be exhilarating. It will be scary and it will be costly, but it's all the good things that God has in store for us. And the battles and blessings will come, but Jesus wants to infill us with his spirit. So I'm just going to pray for us. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I'm going to hand over to Dave, but I felt as I was preparing my sermon that there were people here who've been stuck in disappointment for quite a long time. And as I said earlier, I understand that. I understand what it is to be disappointed. But I just want to encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to move you on from that place and to, to recommit yourself to trusting Jesus again. And I also felt a little bit around the forgiveness as well where and it's been a personal battle for me and will be probably until I take my last breath on the, on the earth. But it, that's a place where Jesus can help us move forward and give the power for forgiveness, to forgive others. Not that what happened or what was done to us doesn't matter or it doesn't diminish if it was wrong. Absolutely. It's not saying that. It's what it's saying is I, I let go of the, my judgment of that person and I hand them back over to God. I allow him to judge them, not me. So I want to pray particularly about those things and I'm going to welcome the Holy Spirit. So put your hands out if you want to. Spirit of God, we thank you that you are here in this room. 
we welcome you to come in, in more of your presence and more of your power. And I ask you, Spirit of God, to minister, to heal, to bring your comfort and your company into those, those hearts that are disappointed, to those hearts that are struggling to forgive, to those hearts that just feel lukewarm and maybe even cool towards you. Holy Spirit, would you come and bring your power and your healing? Would you move us on? Would you bring your, your healing, refreshing power, your life-giving water that just refreshes our souls, that makes the ground moist and receptive, where there's cracked, hard ground in our hearts and lives. I pray, Spirit of God, that you'd bring your refreshing water of your spirit to come and to water that ground, to make it fertile and healthy and to grow again, that life would grow from it. We welcome your spirit, God. We welcome your spirit.